Welcome to The Outpouring with Executive Pastor Bob Oliver of the New Covenant Church of Philadelphia. What is the cost of your oil? Part two. And you remember last week we were in Luke chapter 7, verses 36 through 50, and we talked about the unknown woman who poured out her oil and washed the feet of Jesus with her tears and with her hair. And she was able to enter into a place that she wasn't invited, nor was she welcomed. But because Jesus was there, she had access. And all the other people who were big shots in the synagogue didn't worship, but she worshiped. That's why every now and then, God's gotta infiltrate the church with some outsiders. Because the ones who are forgiven much, they love much. But when I think I'm all right, I come and I have a certain posture. I heard the testimony of a young man who was a big time drug dealer in Baltimore. And he had never been to church. He had never read the Bible. He was a killer. And this is, this is related to the message. And one night he was going home, he became also a rapper. And he was coming home, he had someone in his car Little car, bullets, pop, 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 pop. And he said, Lord, don't let me die like this. And the person who was the passenger, he grabbed him and he put his body over him. So even though he was a drug dealer and he was a killer, there was something in him that he knew not of because he was trying to preserve the life of the passenger. He said he woke up a day or so later and he was in the hospital, and he was handcuffed to the bed, and he began to pray, God, get me out of here. He began to turn to a God that he didn't know. He knew the streets. People feared him. He lived in East Baltimore. They feared him. He had authority in the streets. When he showed up, they were afraid. And so finally, God releases him. He gets released on his own recognizance. But he still doesn't know what's happening. And he said he went right back into the streets. Start doing what he was doing, Sean. He's gangbanging again because that's what he knows. He starts slinging drugs again. He goes into the club, Christine. He goes into the club and he realized he heard a voice say, you don't belong here. He doesn't know what the voice is. He said they all got on their, their chains, $200,000 a piece. He took his off and said, add this to your collection. I got to leave. He left that spot. Nobody preached to him. Nobody told him. I'm talking about an encounter with Jesus Christ. He doesn't understand what's going on. He goes home. It's 5 in the morning. His wife said, here you go again. You're always doing this. You're showing up. You've been out doing God knows what. And he said he just begins to cry. He doesn't know why. This tough guy, this killer begins to weep. And she said, what's the matter with you? He said, I don't know. And then he begins to hear from God. He still doesn't understand what's happening. He wants to 
he wants to have a Bible. He says, but in my house, there's only one Bible. My wife was a Jehovah Witness, and it was only a Jehovah Witness Bible. He knew that wasn't a true witness because now he had a witness in his spirit. He then, five days later, he hadn't left the house. His wife realizes there's something different. He said he would get in a place and just weep. This is a big, strong killer. And now he's broken. He's weeping. And he said, then I had, and these were his words, I had this encounter with Jesus Christ. And he said, I still didn't have a Bible, but I was learning. He said, and then finally I got a Bible, and I realized that some of the things I read, I'm already doing. See, he's now walking in the Spirit. He doesn't know what's happening, but Jesus had gripped him up. Gripped him up. And then he begins to tell everybody he knows about this Jesus. And a friend of his gets saved, who was also a killer. Now, he's blowing up on the rap scene. He said, I took every one of my CDs, got rid of them. He said, all the porn in my house, I got rid of. He said, his wife said, what happened to you? You don't cuss no more. He just stopped. He said, he just stopped. He didn't, it wasn't in him anymore. And here's the part I want you to hear. His other friend, who, who was converted, invited him to church. And he said, man, we can't go to church. He said, because what we have is real. They're not real. And the guy, seriously, he had never been, he had never had any church experience. All he knew is, my experience is authentic. And I know what I got. And I don't want to mingle in a place that's going to dilute what I have because I might become a killer again. So then, in the church, huh? but so his friend said, just come to church. He said he went. And when he was in there, he's lifting his hands. He's saying, God, thank you for delivering me from this life of crime, from this life of sin. And he said he noticed there were no men worshiping. None. The sisters were doing what the sisters do. Not one man. And he said, here, can I finish this story? Are y'all with me? He said, then I realized. He began to talk to God. He said, the same authority I had in the streets, I have it now. He said, he didn't go to the pastor, he went to the men. He said, men, come here. Because he was used to doing that. And the men followed him because he said, look, we're going to worship. He said, we're going up to the altar. All of us are going, we're going to lift our hands and worship. And guess what happened? The men did it. And then he looked around and the sisters were flanking them. He said, the pastor got up and said, something is happening in this church that never happened before. And a move of God started to happen. There were thousands in there worshiping and the men lifting their hands and worshiping. God had to go find the killer and put him in the church so the church could see that God is real. I wish somebody would hear. Whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. I'm trying to let you know that God is up to something. There are going to be some people who enter in here. 
I don't want you to look at them strange because God is doing something. And the fire, you heard Jesus say to Simon, the Pharisee, the one who is forgiven much, loves much. They don't have to sing, look where he brought me from. Their life is a testimony. Their life is a testimony. And he said, I had a fire in the streets. Now I'm in the kingdom of God. How much more authority do I have? And that church was transformed. The pastor didn't do it because the pastor was satisfied preaching a nice sermon. But we got to get to a point where we, where we realize that only Jesus will do in this situation. Jesus saves. Nobody else can save. All power is in his hands. We need him now. Nothing else will do. There's no substitute. You can substitute a sweetener. You can substitute meat with some fillers, but there's no substitute for Jesus. If you know I'm right, somebody put your hands together and give God a praise. Now that gives some context to the text. We're going to read a few verses in Luke chapter 8, verses 1 through 3. Now I want you to know, this is important, Luke 7 and 50 ends and this verse begins. So he leaves the house of Simon and he begins to go and this is the next set of events that happen. Are you with me? So here it goes. Now it came to pass afterward. After his feet had been washed, after he had been with this woman. Now this doesn't mean that the thing about the Bible is not always a chronology of time. Like between some verses, it could be a hundred years. So don't think of this as time, but Luke the physician wants us to know that there's a connectivity between what happened in Simon the Pharisee's house and what's happening now in Bethany. You got it? So don't think of it just because it's the next verse, it's the next day. The next verse doesn't mean the next day. It means a connected event. Are you with me? Are you with me? Afterward, that he went through every city and village, preaching and bringing the good tidings of the gospel of the kingdom, of the kingdom of God, and the 12 were with him. And certain women who had been healed of evil spirits and infirmities, healed of evil spirits and infirmities, hyphen. This one is separate and apart. 
Mary called Magdalene, out of whom had come seven demons, and Joanna, the wife of Chusa, Herod's steward, and Susanna, and many others who provided for him from their substance. There's a few things we want to deal with, but just in general, the woman who was the nameless woman who had the expensive oil and poured it on her feet, his feet, did it out of her substance. Now, there's a movement of women who are coming to him. Luke was careful to say the 12 were with him. In other words, they were always with him. They were already with him. But now something is being added. And it's being added in the same way as that woman. Can I sit down and talk to you? I want this to be intimate. I want to give a picture of intimacy because there's something intimate about this. And you know, there's something as I was preparing for this, God made it clear to me that women understand intimacy far better than you do as a man. For men, men are physical. Like that killer, he was physical. His authority was physical. A man looks at a woman, to him, intimacy is physical. To a woman, intimacy has little to do with physicality. And so for a man, he thinks pleasing a woman means really it's pleasing himself because what he's after is physical. And this woman found a man who was different. That's why the woman at the well said, come see a man. This man is different. I pray that God would make us, the men of New Covenant, different, that we would understand intimacy. Intimacy, in to me, see. See, Jesus sees things in people that we see that are different. What If Stormy Daniels walked in here, y'all know who Stormy Daniels is? I wonder if she'd be welcome. That's a rhetorical question. People are saying sure, but they know. I know Stormy, I know what you do. Like Stormy can't hide from that. But the men, the many men who've been with Stormy, they can hide. They are hiding. Every time they see her image, they say, Lord, don't say my name. My wife don't need to know that. <laughs> but there's, let, let me get back to this point of intimacy. There are all types of women. One who's in the king's palace. She's in the king's palace, the one who's all powerful. But she has either an evil spirit or an infirmity. The king doesn't even know. All he wants is bring my cup. If you're the cupbearer, bring my cup. There are people who don't even see you. That's why, Jeremy, I want you to remember who you are. Because in those moments where people make you feel invisible, you will know who you are. Because not everybody can see. 
Not everybody cares to see. Not everybody has the discernment to see into you. What they see is what you do. And they don't recognize you as one who's created in the image and likeness of God and try to bring you to another place. When Jesus saw these women, they, he realized they're in the image of God. They need to be free. So there were three things that they talk about. And this is not a three-point sermon, but... I want to talk about the spirits because there's some spiritual things that we need to understand. Discernment is important. Discernment is important. And there's a such thing as natural discernment, like people who are good at reading the room, people who are good at reading people. That's not spiritual discernment. Spiritual discernment is knowing what is causing this, what is behind this. This person's behavior is because of something that's beyond their control. And if, if they can just be free, the real them can come forth. Do you understand what I'm saying? See, that was, that's the power they witnessed with Jesus. They came to him. The 12 were already with him, but these women came, and they came with their issues, infirmities, and evil spirits. Jesus discerned them, and set them free, and they began to give out of their substance, and they began to worship him. There are some people who come and they go, and they don't even realize what's driving them. And why was Mary Magdalene on the other side of the hyphen? Because she had seven demons. Seven demons can't be hidden. Because when a demon comes, it takes full control. So the difference between the manifestation of the Spirit, the Holy Ghost, and a demon is that a demon takes control. It causes you to do stuff that you wouldn't ordinarily do. But the Spirit of God looks to you for submission. You can override the Spirit. You can't override a demon. One has to be delivered from that because while it's there, it is going to be in charge. See, that's why we choose God because he wants us to have abundant life. He wants us to have a life of love and there can be no real love without submission. That's why husband and wives submit to themselves. The world tells you that's weakness. I love watching the testimony of this young man who was hard, who probably never cried in his life, who was a killer, who had bodies. But when he encountered Jesus, he wept for days. He wept for days. He was stronger then than he ever was because now his impact on people is life and not death. He's passed from death unto life. The kingdom is upside down, and that's why we can't be caught up in the world's culture because what's up is down in the kingdom. Are you with me? So let's deal with the first one, infirmities. It's gen generally something physically in your body. So Jesus healed them. It doesn't say what the infirmities were, but there's a... a, a example in scripture where Jesus goes into the temple 
And there's a woman who's like this, probably going up to put in her widow's might, and Jesus stands up, and it's the Sabbath. But he's the Lord of the Sabbath. But those who follow religious rules say, nah, nah, you can't hear. She's been coming here probably for 30 years, and she hasn't been healed. Don't act like it's just the Sabbath. She would still be bound low if Jesus didn't show up. See, that's why I want Jesus to show up. Because when he shows up, he'll break the rules. And then he says to her, stand up. Stand up. All you have to do is speak the word. She stood up. And there was an uproar in the synagogue. See, that was an infirmity. And Jesus responded to them, his religious detractors. And he said, should not this daughter of Abraham, whom Satan has bound low. See, Jesus discerned it. He knew this wasn't just because of a lack of bone density. This wasn't because of calcium deposits. Satan has bound her low into Jesus. The devil is trying to make a mockery. And he's coming into the house of God, a house of prayer, and he's bound somebody low. Stand up. He said, this woman should not be walking around with this infirmity. You would think they would learn and say, I want to be like Jesus. Lord, show me how to do that. But they said, nah, you can't be who you say you are because you didn't do, you're not doing the right thing on the Sabbath. He said, if one of your oxen fell in a pit, wouldn't you get it? And this daughter of Abraham, doesn't she deserve to be healed? So infirmities are a physical modality. It's something that hinders you physically. I want you to know Jesus can deliver from that also. If you know that's right, somebody ought to make some noise. But now I want to talk about evil spirits that are not demons, and some of them don't present themselves as, as evil. I want us to be equipped, and I want to give you the scriptural references. We're not going to put them up now, but put them in your notes. The first spirit I want to talk about is a haughty spirit. A haughty. That's arrogance and pride. Arrogance and pride. And here's the, the scriptural reference. Proverbs 16 and 18. I want you to consider something. Arrogance and pride. Say it with me. Arrogance and pride. And most people who are arrogant, they don't know that they are because that's just who they are. They don't know. And it's hard to give correction to a person that's arrogant. You know why? Because they already know. They think they know. They could be as wrong as two left shoes, but their arrogance blinds them. And the most severe form of blindness is your own. Your own. Like, it's easier for me to see your blind spots than to see mine. That's why it's a blind spot. It wouldn't be a blind, it wouldn't be blindness if you could see. Blindness is the opposite of seeing. 
That's the reason we humble ourselves and we remain teachable because then our eyes are continually being open. But if I say my eyes are open, I open the door for blindness. And then it's first a little spot and before you know it, it grows and it grows because spiritually it's not dealt with. Do you, are you with me? So I, I want to make sure that we don't allow this to enter in. It's the little foxes that spoil the vine. God wants us to be such a mighty army that we see far off. And the things that would plague many shall not plague us. It shall not. It shall not. Hardy spirit, arrogance, pride. What would possess a people? any people to take as their brand the banner of pride. Pride. Do you know what got Satan kicked out of heaven? Pride. The prophet Ezekiel tells us that, that he fell because he wanted to be like God. He was lifted up in pride. That means compassion and understanding for a people who are so blind that they embrace pride as their banner. His banner over me is pride. Think about that. It is not that they're not made in the image and likeness of God. They are. And because of that, it ought to elicit compassion to say, I want deliverance for that person. But the problem is, when a person is arrogant and has pride, they don't want deliverance. They want to be right. They want to have their position. So they make, in order for me to be right, I have to make you wrong. Have you ever gotten into a debate with a person who's prideful and arrogant? Stop arguing. Start praying, because if they don't get deliverance, you will never win. Never. Never. They will get a host to join with them and come against you. But see, that's when you got to know the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God. And see, the thing that Jesus was was not only was he discerning, but he was compassionate. And people came with issues that others would either shun them or mock them. He delivered them. He delivered them. So that's just one of the, the evil spirits that don't show themselves as evil. And they're not, they're controlling but their manifestation of control is not like a demon. Do you understand what I'm saying? There is a spirit, like people talk about the spirit of Jezebel. Most people consider the spirit of Jezebel, Minister Sample, as sexual. It's idolatry. So sometimes we don't even discern right what it is because we listen to things that have been passed down. It's idolatry. And our culture is full of idolatry. Idolatry. And we're teaching our children there's a system 
that is teaching our children idolatry and they don't even know it. And if we're not careful, we won't know it. So why is it that there are laws in certain places that has gender-affirming surgery? Because what's really happening underneath the spiritual thing, don't get mad at the people, is people are taking sovereignty over themselves. It's not what God made me, it's what I make myself. It's how I feel. See, that's idolatry. But children don't know that. They're confused. And now there's a system that takes it out of the hands of their parents. There are literally some states where it can happen without parental consent. You can't drink, you can't drive, but you can have gender-affirming surgery. Tell me how that makes sense. That's spiritual wickedness. And see, Jesus saw that stuff, and he did something about it. It's not about picket signs. It's not about fighting. It's about discerning spiritually and doing something about it so that our children yield to the power of God. That's how you clear up gender confusion, because people are confused. If I, wanted, if I am in war with someone, and I want to get an advantage on them, you create confusion and diversions and then attack. Because now they're not focused, they're not vigilant, they're not watchful. You're looking at all this other stuff and then you miss the attack. Culturally, that's happening. That's why God needs his body to rise up because there are some things that will never, ever, there will never be deliverance by laws from the government. Because what the government wants is to appease the people. And where can I get the votes? And I'm just gonna pick a side. Do you know why Saul was not, didn't remain as king, that God kicked him out? He said, the people said. God said, but what did I say? When you obey people more than you obey God, get ready. It's like a haughty spirit and pride goes before what? A fall. The fall is coming. Are you with me? So here's the next one. Familiar spirit. Familiar spirit. 1 Samuel 28, 7 through 20. If you can, I want you to read that today because you'll learn something. It's about the witch of Endor. The witch of Endor. And there's something about this witch that's different. There are some witches who will come and sit in the church. I know what I'm talking about. There have been someone, some who've been among us. We've been in rooms where we were having encounters Years ago, Reverend Bracco and Alfred and I, person keeps looking in at the door, wouldn't come in though. Spirit, people are getting delivered and God is moving in there. Person keeps, but won't cross the threshold. And Alfred, yeah, yeah, we've had some, we've seen some things here. People laying out right here. I'm gonna tell a story. I'm reminded of that one. And what happened was, Alfred leans over and said, that's a witch. 
And once she was made, never came back again. The problem is, there is no manifest presence that will help you know you have to discern it. You have to discern it. So this person, so these are things like mediums, fortune tellers. Like I've, I notice as I'm driving, how many houses converted for fortune telling. They're in the suburbs. They're in the suburbs more than the city. They really are because people, like I got these problems, I need to go here. In my family, which was a Christian family, when I was a child, they would read my palm, tell me if I had long life by this, and they would do things. And then there were people that we knew, mm, don't eat at her house. <laughs> they were identified. I mean, that's your, that's your cousin, that's your aunt, but that's a witch. We're scared of her. And said, don't take off, your, don't drop your hair. Don't do, so I'm like, I don't wanna go to her house. <laughs> It's like, what in the world? I'm scared of this person. She's trying to offer me a soda. No, nah, I ain't thirsty. Lips white and chat. I'm not thirsty. There's some that are recognizable is the point. But there are others who seem friendly, who will be accommodating. Well, this Samuel had died. And this, I, I just feel the need to tell you this. Is this all right? We'll get back to the text, but I, I just sense by the Spirit. Somebody needs to hear this. So Samuel had died, and Saul depended on him. That was his prophet. Saul had tried praying. He did all everything he knew. He put on the ephod. God wasn't answering him because you're disobedient. Sometimes if you can't get a prayer through, sometimes... It's getting through, but you just have to wait, like Daniel. So we have to wait, right? And then other times, it's because of our disobedience. God doesn't just look over everything. He demands to be, why call me Lord, Lord, and, and you don't do the things that I say? So Saul says, I got to go in the cover of darkness. <clears throat> I'm going at night. And he went to this cave. And the woman didn't know, he, he disguised himself. And she didn't know. And when she did her medium stuff, she saw Samuel. She said, Saul, what have you done? What have you done for me to defy the living God? Even the witches bow down to him. She knew better than Saul that this thing should not have been done. You have the power of God in you. People will submit to you just by you showing up. Some of the things you'll be able to, to discern because they will show themselves. And she was more repentant than Saul. You know what Saul did? He told Samuel his problems. He's like, I came here with a purpose. And Samuel said, why are you disturbing me? What? And Samuel was all dressed in white. The Lord is trying to tell you where Samuel was. He was where Saul should have been trying to go because just in a few days, he was going to die. Here's the thing. Now I know why God wanted me to say this. Here's the thing. 
He was going there because he knew Samuel was a prophet of God. In his lifetime, God said, never will any of your words fall to the ground. That means whatever you say, I'll back it up. He knew that. And he was separated from God. So rather than getting closer to God, he went to a dead man. And Samuel was still the same Samuel in death as he was in life. He said, first of all, you shouldn't have disturbed me. I was in a worship service. <laughs> and you calling me. He said, here's what you need to know. In a few days, you and your son are going to die. You're going to be where I am. If I was Saul, I would rejoice and say, I'm going to be where you are. Where you are is in a good place. What Samuel was saying is, you're going to die. And then you're going to be judged. If I were him, and I saw the reaction of this ungodly witch before God, I would focus on getting my house in order. But he was so far gone, he didn't think about that. He tried to win a battle that wasn't winnable because it's not by might nor by power. It's by his spirit, and the spirit of God had left him, and it was God who was fighting the battles. But because he chose to appease the people, he got himself in a situation where he had to go to a familiar spirit. Do you have the verses? Some of you might not have pen and pad, but write it in your notes in the phone. It's 1 Samuel 28, 7 through 20. Here's the last one around discernment. The scripture is 1 John 4 and 3, and it is the spirit of Antichrist. That's the overarching one. I want you to recognize that some of the things that are causing some of the things that are happening culturally is because the spirit of Antichrist. And John, when he was writing his text, he said, it's coming into the world and now has already come into the world. It's here. And when you read that text in 1 John, John declares that even when he was writing this, over 2,000 years ago, it was already here. And Antichrist is that which says Jesus isn't Lord. So there are people who will tell you, and there are places that people go because they feel affirmed and validated. There are affirming ministries that whatever you believe, I'm going to affirm that. Because you come and you, you have pretty good attendance and your offering is good and the building keeps going, but it has nothing to do with eternity. Now, most churches that I know are not like that because if they were, they wouldn't be a friend of Bob's. I don't have time for that. There's not enough time because we're, we are here for an eternal purpose. And so we can't get wrapped up in time and that's why we are we have to know that we're citizens of the kingdom of God. So these women who are around Jesus, the 12 were with them, and those women who were there had all these kinds of issues, and he delivered them. 
But there's one that I want to hone in on, and this is where we're going to drive the point home. Which one do you think it is? Mary Magdalene. Because she did what the other woman did, which was a part of the movement. But the bigger part of the movement was women who were not called as one of the 12 now had access and they came. And not only did they come, but they ministered to him out of their substance. What's the difference between the woman in Simon's house and Mary Magdalene? The woman in Simon's house worshiped him. Mary Magdalene ministered to him. See, that's why I wanted to talk about intimacy. That wasn't a tangent. It had a purpose. Because there's something about intimacy with him that brings us closer. It doesn't matter what we've done. She had seven demons, but she was intimate with Christ. And he was intimate with her because now she's free from those demons. Those demons no longer controlled her. Now she sits at her feet. Mary Magdalene was the sister of Lazarus. And she had another sister named Martha. And whenever Jesus came, Mary would just sit at his feet. You talk about intimacy. Jesus is coming. I can't wait. I'm going to sit at his feet. This day, she washed his feet. But before that day, she sat at his feet. How much do you long to just sit in his presence? Just sit at his feet. Martha wanted to serve. She was busy. She was so into serving, she complained to Jesus and said, Lord, tell, bid my sister to help me. He said, Martha, Martha, you are encumbered with many things, but she has chosen the best part that shall not be taken away. You can take my house, but you can't take away my time with him. You can revoke my car, but you can't take my time with him. There are people who are really intimate. No, you can take my life, but you can't take away his presence from me because wherever I go, he's there. If I go to the depth of hell, he's there with me. If I rise up with the wings of the morning and go up to heaven, thou art with me. He's everywhere. He's everywhere. There's something about Mary Magdalene that Jesus saw that the world didn't see. That the world didn't see. What they saw was a woman of the streets. What they saw was a woman of the night. They saw what she did. They didn't see who she was. And she did what she did because she had seven demons. Can you imagine people getting on her in her family? Girl, you need to clean up your act. You know mama wasn't like that. Why are you doing that? And they don't even know, Sister Carlotta, that the woman has demons. But with their religious spirit, they're rebuking her. What was different about Jesus? What was different about him? Because he wants us to be like that. Well, if we go back to last week, there's one verse I want you to put up. Luke 7 and 44, the first part of it. This is going to cause us to see something. Then he turned to the woman and said to Simon, do you see this woman? 
take it down. I said, God, help me to see people, not just their deeds, not just their bad attitudes, not just the things that are offensive. Help me to see them. What did Jesus see in Mary Magdalene? Well, if you look up her name, Magdalene, Mary is her given name. Magdalene has to do with, generally it had to do with territory or some other thing. Can any good thing come out of Nazareth? So people knew her reputation, they knew her deeds, they knew where she was from, but they didn't see her. Jesus saw her. Her name comes from a Latin root. Somebody said Latin root. <laughs> it's funny, I just had a funny thought because we've been talking about witchcraft and my family, they say, you know, that person works roots. <laughs> roots. Any of y'all know about roots? I'm not the only one from down home. Y'all know about roots. If you don't, you better ask somebody. <laughs> there are two things about her name that he saw. God, help us to see. Help us to see. Her name means watchtower and watchful. Watchtower and watchful. And in the days of Jesus, the person who would be on the watchtower is the one who would pray while everybody else is sleeping and warn you of enemy attack. See, Mary Magdalene said, I know what it's like to have seven demons, but now that I've been delivered, I sit at his feet so I can be intimate with him, so intimate that when you're in trouble, I'm on the watch, I can talk to you. All these women are now coming because of what the first woman did, but now Mary is the leader of them. So I, I'm, I'm confident that when people had issues, when Jesus was taken up into heaven, they could go to Mary and she would say, I see, I see what's on you because she's a watchtower. She's a watchtower. Every, everyone who knows intercessory prayer can relate to this because you have to be a watchtower. Now, not only was she on the watchtower, she was watchful. When Jesus was in the Garden of Gethsemane, he said to his disciples, his apostles by then, while they were going to sleep, he said, when I say unto one, I say unto all, watch and pray. So Mary Magdalene didn't only pray, she was watchful. She was a dream for Jesus. She was the type that, see the world rejected her. What do you see? Jesus saw her. He saw all those women who weren't seen by Herod the king, who weren't seen by their husbands, who weren't seen by the society. Jesus saw them. And th this isn't just a gender thing, but that's what's in the Bible. I got to preach the word. I got to preach the word. And in their time, they were second-class citizens. But in the kingdom of God, they realized what it meant to be first-class. To be first-class. 
The 12 were with him, but the women came. The women came and they ministered to him. So Mary took out her box. You know C.C. Winans, her song, Mary's Alabaster Box. You know she's talking about Mary Magdalene because the other woman doesn't have a name. So the one that is remembered and Jesus said about her, wherever this gospel is preached, anywhere in the world, for all time, what she did for me is going to be spoken of as a memorial. Why is that? And what's the difference between worship, worshiping him with your tears and your hair and your oil like the first woman and ministering to him? Because we minister to him with a purpose. She was preparing him for his burial. And see, that purpose is enduring because once she got him ready for the burial, they say she broke the seal and the aroma filled the whole room. It was expensive. It filled the whole room. And Judah said, what in the world? This is a waste. And the Bible said he didn't do that because he thought of the poor. He, did it, he said it because he was a thief. Lord, why you have him handle money and he's a thief? Jesus knew that he was a thief, but there was a bigger purpose for him. See, that's why purpose matters. So Mary Magdalene prepares him for his death, but because she was intimate with him, when they buried him, all the brothers, some of them fishing, others hiding, they're worried, I'm going to be next. Mary said, where did they lay my master? Where did they lay him? See, this watchtower, she got to know. She went down to the tomb. Before she went, here's what I like. She wasn't out of order. First thing she did, she went to Peter, Simon Peter, and John, and said, I need to know where they laid him. Now, what do you think she would have did if they didn't come with her? She said, I did what I was supposed to do. I told you. If you don't come, I'm going. I need to know where they laid him. Peter and John went. They started to run. And the Bible says, John wrote this in his gospel. He said that other disciple, talk about himself, ran faster. See, he was younger. He was more athletic. And where the tomb is, when I was in Israel, some of y'all know it because I put it up. Where he was laid, I went there. What a moment. See, there are two places. There's one that they call the Holy Sepulchre. I knew that wasn't a place because I went there. That Constantine's mom, who was a good woman, very, very, she caused Constantine to embrace Christianity. So Christianity was a thing that would cause you to get killed. When Constantine reigned, because of the influence of his mother, that all stopped. So I went in there. And my guy was telling me, this is the place I feel, I felt nothing. I was respectful. Nah, 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 this is not it. Show me where you laid them. Show me where they laid them. They said, there's another place. Take me to that place. Now that place, I had three of my Jewish friends, the one who was, they were hosting me. And they had on their yarmulkes. And we walked across. We went through this tunnel. 
and we walked across this place, and one leaned over and said, Bob, you know, Jews never come here. He said, this is where the riots were. And I said, are you feeling comfortable? He said, no, 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 for you, we'll do it. So we walked through the market, sons of Ishmael everywhere. Now they got me conscience. So I got my, my hood smart. I'm looking around. It's like, okay. Yeah, yeah, I, I'm, not, I'm not naive, so I'm just looking. I'm like, the Lord, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. <laughs> his rod and his staff, they comfort me. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Your rod and your staff, they're comforting me. And we walk up, we go through, and we get into a place, and the first person who greets us is the sister from Texas. Like, the spirit was different. The welcome, the praise God, Jesus. They're talking about Jesus in the midst of all this stuff around them. They're not scared. They come from the United States to be there. They're not scared. And so I, we go in and they take me to the place. And I can see why they stoop down. Because in order to get in, so I could imagine Peter, they said he stooped down. Here's what I saw in my mind's eye. The brother was worn out. <laughs> Because Jerusalem is a hilly place. It's a hilly place. Uh, were y'all praying for me when I was there? That's what kept me alive. Because we didn't take the bus. We walked, and we walked up that hill. And Rita, I'm telling you, I thought, oh, my God. One time, I stopped. Some of them didn't even look back. He said, you all right? I'm like, I'm all right. I'm good. Give me a minute. Give me a minute. So if they ran that, I understood why. And Peter was older than John. So then we walked in. I took out my camera. I started videoing it. That's intimate. I haven't shared that with anyone. And then I, I, I started looking around, and I'm imagining the cloth where he laid it. And I said, this is Joseph of Arimathea's place. And then I walked out into the garden, and they have the probably a replica of the stone that they rolled away, still there. I have a picture of that. And as I was walking, I started videoing myself. I said, this is where they laid, my Lord. This is where they laid them. I still felt an anointing 2,023 years later, in June of 2023, it was there. That's how I knew that other place is a counterfeit. This is real. What I'm talking about is discernment. That's very important spiritually because some of the things that we see in people outwardly, that's not who they were. And Jesus saw in Mary a watchtower and someone who's watchful. So he delivered her from the demons. And from that time on, she was the most faithful to him. So Peter and John went there. They didn't see him. They're like, okay, we're good. They went back. Mary wasn't satisfied. The reason she wasn't satisfied, her spirit wouldn't rest. She had all those hours in sitting at his feet. I need to know where he is. She began to weep. She went back. She stood at the tomb weeping. And her prayer was, show me where they laid him. Where is he? Did they take him away? And all of a sudden, two angels said, why are you weeping? 
She said, I need to know where my Lord is. He said, he's, he's risen. He's all right. And when you read the text, Jesus then shows up and asks her, why are you weeping? And she realizes him. She ready to grab him and said, oh, don't touch me. I haven't ascended to my father yet. I, this is a glorified body. You can't touch me now. Uh, we still remain our, with our intimacy, but don't touch me. But I want you to do something. I want you to go tell Peter. And I, she, that's the only name he said, Peter. The one who betrayed him. The one who did that before he was lost. That's what I love about Jesus. He'll send a word to encourage you. I know what you did, but you still belong to me. I still love you. You still are valid. You still are the chief apostle. Go tell Peter and my disciples to go to Galilee and meet me there. And she ran and told them. They still didn't believe her. He had to show up, but that did not shake her faithfulness because her purpose was to be a watchtower and to be watchful. And she ministered to him. Worship is necessary, but ministering to him is more intimate. See, the worship is intimacy for me. It's for me. I get a, a, you, you get a feeling and a sense of closeness. But when you minister to him, it develops the kind of intimacy that is into me see. And then you can see others. And Jesus can say to you, do you see this person? My prayer for myself, and I hope you will pray the same prayer, is God help me to see people. Help me to see people, not just physically and naturally, but spiritually, help me to see them so that you can unlock what's in them. Mary Magdalene did something that the disciples should have done, but they were distracted. But because of what she did and because of her obedience, from that day, the disciples were never the same. Peter died a death like Jesus. But he said, I only have one request. It's not for my life. I want you to crucify me upside down because I'm not worthy to be like him. Wherever you are right now, the Lord will get you to where he wants you to go. He won't give up on you. Don't give up on God because he won't give up on you. And I want you to know, every time I see you, I see good. Every time I look at you, I see good. I mean that deep. When I look at you, I see good. I want to be able to see that in other people, people that I don't know. I want to see what's in them, and I want to see what's blocking them so that I know how to pray and see them become who they were created to be. Every time I look at you, I see good. Thank you for joining us in service today. We pray that this ministry has been a blessing to you and your family. To give your gift of love and help keep this ministry on the air, visit nccop.church giving for all of the ways that you can donate to the ministry. Thank you so much for your generosity and God's blessings until we meet again.